Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the murder of Brittany Gargle in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Let's get right to it. According to saskatoonpolice.ca, at approximately 6 o'clock a.m., March 25, 2015, an injured woman was found by a passerby near a ditch on the side of Cedar Villa Estates Road, which is the road leading into a local landfill. CBC.ca reported that the man who found her said she was cold to the touch, had no shoes on, and was lying on her back. The man had attempted CPR and immediately notified authorities. Police and EMS responded and life-saving measures were attempted. The unidentified woman was taken to a local hospital, but despite the best efforts of the Good Samaritan that found her, paramedics and doctors, she died just a short time after her arrival. An identification wasn't immediately made, so police released a description. She was a white female, approximately 20 to 35 years old, last seen wearing a black leather-style jacket with leopard print lining and a quartz watch with diamonds surrounding an orange face. Photographs of two distinctive tattoos were also released, a lion tattoo on the victim's left shoulder blade and two stars tattooed on her left hand, all again according to cbc.ca. Officials asked for the public's assistance in identifying who this woman could possibly be. And the public didn't disappoint. As soon as investigators released a description on the Saskatoon Police Department's Facebook page, people began commenting that they knew exactly who the young woman with the lion tattoo was. And just who was she and how had she ended up on the side of that road to the landfill? The day after the body was found on March 26, 2015, in a press release, the police revealed that the victim had been positively identified as 18-year-old Brittany Jane Gargle, and that her death was suspicious. And that was about it. Everyone wondered what the hell could have happened, but investigators kept the details close to the vest. Details like a very important clue, which was found right there next to Brittany's body. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The very next day, investigators informed the public that an autopsy had been performed, and they made it clear this was a homicide. They asked again for the public's assistance with any information. According to Yahoo News, on April 1st, 2015, just one week after Brittany's body was found, family and friends gathered to remember the bright and beautiful 18-year-old. Brittany Gargle was born in Saskatoon on August 31st, 1996. Smart, ambitious, and a hard worker, she was still in school working on her high school diploma, all while working at the German Cultural Center, according to Legacy.com. She had plans to pursue a degree in business management. But as we know, Brittany's life was tragically cut short before she ever got the chance. 
Who would want to harm Brittany and why? What monster was responsible? What injuries had she sustained? Everyone was on edge. Things like this just don't happen in Saskatoon. While Brittany's family mourned and the entire community locked their doors out of fear that whatever monster was responsible might strike again, the Saskatoon police were hard at work piecing together exactly where Brittany was and who she was with in the days and hours leading up to her death. Brittany's Facebook would be crucial during the course of the investigation. According to People.com, just six hours prior to Brittany's death, Brittany had shared a photo taken by her best friend, Cheyenne Antoine. The girls were all dressed up and ready to go out on the town. Brittany in a black shirt, her long auburn hair parted perfectly, and a smile on her face. And Cheyenne, also with a big grin and dressed to impress, in a black and gray dress with all the accessories to complement the look, earrings, a thick gold necklace, and a black belt, her makeup on point. Brittany had captioned it, Out and bout with my girl, so beautiful, according to the Saskatoon star Phoenix. And just glancing at Brittany's Facebook, it was clear that her friend Cheyenne was worried even before police had publicly announced that it was Brittany that had been found gravely wounded on the side of that road leading to the landfill. According to Metro.co.uk, Cheyenne had posted on Brittany's Facebook, Where are you? Haven't heard from you. Hope you made it home safe, and I need my phone. Love ya. Where had the two been the night before Brittany was killed, and why was Cheyenne so concerned? Cheyenne reached out to investigators. I mean, it was clear she was one of the last people with Brittany in the hours prior to her death. Of course she wanted to tell police anything and everything she could to help find whoever had taken her best friend. According to She's Gone, a podcast hosted by Saskatoon Star Phoenix criminal justice reporter Bree McAdam, police received a call from a staff member at the Lighthouse, which is an assisted living shelter in downtown Saskatoon, stating a woman had some information about Brittany. Cheyenne was on the other line, and she told police she had been with Brittany the night before she died. She recounted the events. She and Brittany had got ready to go out together as best friends do. They started the night out at a bar called Manchester's on the corner of 33rd and Idlewild Drive. After spending a little time at Manchester's, the pair headed over to a house party on Avenue 1. Around 4 a.m., they were over on 8th Street in the parking lot of the Colonial Pub and Grill. Cheyenne told police that Brittany asked a man for a lighter and invited him along with them. She described him as a white male, but said she really didn't know anything else about him. Cheyenne then had Brittany drop her off at the lighthouse shelter so she could see her uncle. She hadn't seen or heard from Brittany since. It was starting to make sense why Cheyenne would be so immediately concerned for Brittany. I mean, the last time she had seen her, she was with some random dude neither of them knew prior. If Brittany were my best friend, I'd be concerned too. An article by the Washington Post went on further to say that Cheyenne and Brittany had parted ways sometime after midnight, and Cheyenne and her uncle had walked along a river before dawn. 
according to that episode of She's Gone, Brittany passed the phone to her uncle and he corroborated her story. Even during a subsequent police interview, Cheyenne and her uncle's stories matched for the most part. So investigators started searching for this unknown white male. Who could he be and where was he now? But as far as the description went, they only knew that he was white and male, which didn't really narrow things down. So police began to review surveillance in the area Cheyenne told them she and Brittany were. Maybe they would catch a glimpse of this guy on camera and could track him down. But they noticed something strange. Not only was there no white male with the girls, they couldn't find a trace of either of the girls at the Colonial or the Lighthouse. There was nothing, no sign of either girl, no mystery man, or Brittany's car, a white Chevy Cavalier. It just didn't make any sense. There was definitely surveillance at the lighthouse in the Colonial, but the girls weren't on it. Cheyenne was Brittany's best friend. She certainly wouldn't mislead investigators. She was clearly distressed by the loss of her friend. I mean, she was all over Facebook posting about Brittany. On September 10, 2015, at 11.11 11 p.m., Cheyenne had left a comment on that photograph they took just hours before Brittany's death. It read, Oh, I miss you so much, Bert. Wish heaven had visiting hours so I could come see you. I'm so glad you came and visited me in my dream last night. Woke up with tears in my eyes. I'm blessed to have met you and have you be a part of my life. Still can't believe those last two days were going to be the last two days I got to be able to hug you, talk to you, and laugh with you. I will cherish and hold all our good memories we had over the years since grade nine until we meet again. Looking forward to the day I see you again. Say hello to my mommy up there for me. That dream felt so damn real, and you were all bubbly and happy like you always were. I love you so much, Brittany Jane, and miss you so much. You were way too young to go. Gone, but never forgotten. You were truly an angel on earth, but I guess God needed you up there. You always believed in me, and I will make you proud, my girl. Rest in paradise, my angel. Time ticked on, and publicly police released very little as far as the details of the investigation. But behind the scenes, they were getting closer and closer to making an arrest and the murder of Brittany Gargle. Once investigators realized that Cheyenne either forgot some very important details surrounding the events of March 25th or was intentionally misleading them, they went back to Cheyenne's uncle and pressed him a little harder. He was confronted with the fact that Cheyenne wasn't seen on surveillance visiting him that night and he folded like a cheap deck of cards. According to the StarPhoenix.com, Cheyenne's uncle said that Cheyenne had begged him to cover for her and give police the fake story about meeting up and that pre-dawn walk by the river. As police already knew, none of that had happened. It was all made up, crafted by Cheyenne and repeated by her uncle. And while that was concerning enough, what the uncle told police next was jaw-dropping. Cheyenne had told him a completely different story about the last time she saw Brittany Gargle. And in this version, the last time she had seen her, Brittany was dead. 
The uncle told investigators that Cheyenne told him that she and Brittany were partying and using drugs in a hotel room with, quote, two black guys, and an argument began over cocaine. Cheyenne stated she went into the bathroom, and when she came out, Brittany was lying on the bed with marks on her neck. The two black males then held a gun to her head and forced her to help them. Spoiler alert, police couldn't find these two black males with the cocaine just like they couldn't find the white guy with the lighter from the bar parking lot. The monster responsible wasn't some unknown male lurking in the shadows. No, this monster was a hell of a lot closer to home. According to the Star Phoenix and that episode of She's Gone podcast, two months after Brittany's death, Cheyenne Antoine was in police custody on unrelated charges. In fact, Cheyenne was no stranger to police and had a lengthy criminal record. 54 convictions. 54. Some even after her friend Brittany's death. And although police hadn't spoken publicly about any persons of interest or suspects, they had their eyes on Cheyenne right from the jump. There was something about that last Facebook post made by Brittany. You know, the one where Cheyenne was all smiles ready to paint the town with her bestie? Yeah, that one. And that very important clue found at the scene near Brittany's body. Police had been silently making connections, tracking down phone pings. And remember, police hadn't released publicly how Brittany was murdered. The story about the two black males couldn't be corroborated with any of the information investigators had gathered. But there was something in that story that caught their attention. Remember the part about those marks on Brittany's neck? Well, the medical examiner had determined Brittany's cause of death was ligature strangulation. But that wasn't public information. Naturally, investigators wanted to talk to Cheyenne again. So while she was already in custody on that unrelated charge, they did just that. According to People.com, Cheyenne was uncooperative when questioned by authorities. And not only uncooperative, but emotionless. She didn't have that same miss-you-so-much energy in the interview room as she had publicly posting about how much she missed her friend all over Facebook. Saskatoon's senior Crown Prosecutor Robin Ritter later spoke to the outlet and stated, Most people, when confronted with a serious crime, they have an emotional reaction. She didn't. This was her best friend. She was one of the last people to see her alive. Yet she was uncooperative and emotionless? Why? And then things took a strange turn. In July of 2016, Cheyenne's Facebook went dark. No one had seen or heard from her, and there was no activity on any of her social media. Her friends and family grew concerned, and Cheyenne Antoine was reported missing on August 11, 2016. On August 16, 2016, the Saskatoon police made a public plea, asking for assistance in locating Cheyenne Antoine. According to NationTalk.ca, she was last seen at approximately 5 o'clock p.m. July 25, 2016, at an apartment in the 100 block of Avenue U South. Cheyenne was described as being approximately 5'9", 90 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes, 
last seen wearing blue jeans, a black leather jacket, and blue Nike running shoes. One friend murdered and one friend missing. What was happening? Well, this wasn't the first time friends and family had reported Cheyenne Antoine missing. Cheyenne had a history of dipping out, starting in her early teens. According to SaskatoonPolice.ca, Cheyenne had gone missing three times in 2012, once in 2013, and now again in 2016. But was this time different? Had the same person responsible for the senseless murder of Brittany came after Cheyenne? Had the monster struck again? No, no, and no. Cheyenne Antoine was later located alive and well. Time ticked on and it seemed like the truth about what happened to Brittany might never be revealed. But the truth has a way of coming out. And it wasn't much longer until the shocking truth of exactly what had happened to Brittany Gargle and the wee morning hours of March 25th, 2015 would be known. According to globalnews.ca, on March 7th, 2017, just shy of the two-year anniversary of Brittany Gargle's murder, Cheyenne Rose Antoine was arrested and charged with second-degree murder and causing an indignity to a body and the death of Brittany Jane Gargle. Brittany's stepmother, Christy, spoke to the outlet. The details are not going to be pretty. I'm raising her seven-year-old sister who has a lot of questions and doesn't understand, so that's difficult, she said. The details were not pretty. They were unimaginable. Police had suspected Antoine of Brittany's murder the moment they had seen that photo posted to Facebook just six hours prior to Brittany's murder. And why? Because of the belt. Y'all remember that very important clue found next to Brittany's body. Well, when investigators identified Brittany Gargle and jumped on her Facebook looking for clues, their jaws must have dropped because right there in that selfie taken by Cheyenne of the two friends, Cheyenne was wearing a black braided belt, the same one found next to Brittany's body, the same belt they believed Brittany had been strangled to death with. Crown Prosecutor Robin Ritter spoke to CNN, revealing that marks found on Brittany Gargle's Chevy Cavalier also matched the belt, stating, The car was dirty and it had dust. And you could see on the side of the car, you could see marks, and the marks were consistent with that black belt. And it also looked like there was a struggle. Superintendent Dave Hay was involved in the major crimes unit in Saskatoon during the investigation. He spoke to Bree McAdam, host of She's Gone podcast, and it was revealed that Brittany's body had been discovered on that landfill road between 5.20 and 5.40 a.m. Her car was also discovered, and it appeared it had been driven through a ditch or field because dirt and long grass was found under the wheel wells. Cheyenne's iPhone had been recovered in Brittany's car, and photos of Brittany taken that night, including the selfie posted to Facebook, were on the phone. The device had connected to a local McDonald's Wi-Fi around 4.20 a.m. The black belt had been sent away for DNA testing, and both girls' DNA was found. And Hay believed that belt was Cheyenne Antoine's personal belt. He went on to say that part of the reason it had taken so long to bring charges 
was due to the files being sent off for Crown Review, and in part because police were attempting undercover operations with Cheyenne. But they were unsuccessful because it was hard to pin her down due to her lifestyle at the time. A friend of Cheyenne's had reached out to Brittany Gargle's family and reported that Cheyenne had confessed to strangling Brittany. The witness said that Cheyenne Antoine came to her home around 4 or 5 the morning of March 25th, intoxicated and completely hysterical, stating she had gotten into an argument with her friend, hit her with something, and then strangled her to death. When the witness looked outside, she saw Brittany badly beaten up and slumped against the window of her car. This witness was too afraid to contact officials, so she just told Cheyenne to leave again, according to that episode of She's Gone. According to Saskatoon CTV News, another witness told investigators Cheyenne had shown up to his home twice, hysterical about Brittany's death. With all the evidence piling up, the Crown and Defense struck a deal. On January 15, 2018, Cheyenne Rose Antoine pled guilty not to second-degree murder. Oh, no she made a deal and pled guilty to manslaughter. According to CTV News, Antoine took responsibility for the death of her friend Brittany, but claimed that she couldn't remember exactly what had happened that night because she was drunk and high when she and Brittany got into an argument, and the last thing she remembered was that Brittany had taken her phone away from her. She was too upset to speak in open court, so her attorney read her statement. Quote, I'll never forgive myself. Nothing I say or do will ever bring her back. I'm really, really sorry. It's wrong and shouldn't have happened. The Crown and Defense had already reached an agreement on what they believed was a fair sentence for Antoine due to the mitigating and aggravating factors. In the Canadian court system, there is something known as GLADU, which according to the Aboriginal Legal Aid in B.C., means that if you identify as Indigenous and are charged with a crime, the judge must apply GLADU principles when you're in a criminal court. GLADU principles are a way for the judge to consider the unique circumstances of Indigenous people. These unique circumstances include the challenges of colonization Indigenous people face. These challenges include racism, loss of language, removal from land, Indian residential schools, and foster care. The challenges are known as GLADU factors. According to Steps to Justice, this means at sentencing hearings, all alternatives to jail must be considered before a jail sentence is given. Jail is a last resort. And when a jail sentence is given, the court must apply GLADU principles to determine the length of the sentence. Antoine did identify as Indigenous, so GLADU factors were taken into account. In fact, in Cheyenne Antoine's case, the Crown and Defense agreed that Antoine met almost every factor of GLADU imaginable. Antoine's biological parents went to residential school and both had addiction issues. She had been in the foster care system from age 2 to 18. According to CTV News, while Cheyenne was in foster care, she was mentally, physically, and sexually abused. And just as Cheyenne was beginning to reconnect with her biological mother, her mother had died, causing Antoine to become addicted to opioids, meth, and get involved in criminal activity. 
And just a month prior to Brittany's murder, Antoine had come forward and reported the abuse she had experienced, and an investigation had begun. As a result of all this, Antoine started using more drugs and more alcohol. And while there was no argument from Crown Prosecutor Ritter that Antoine had every Gladue factor you could imagine, Ritter stated, This young woman has issues, and because of those issues, she is dangerous. There were several aggravating factors in this case as well. For one, Cheyenne had intentionally misled police and sent them on several wild goose chases to conceal what she had done. She had a lengthy prior criminal history, 54 convictions total, 54 convictions at just the age of 21. And perhaps most devastating of all, Brittany Gargle was her very best friend. Brittany trusted and loved Cheyenne. She never in a million years saw this one coming. Antoine had violated her trust and strangled her best friend to death. According to CKOM.com, victim impact statements were read aloud in court by members of Brittany's family as they struggled through their tears. Family members recalled how Brittany's smile could light up a room. But with her gone, many of her relatives were struggling. Her Aunt Jennifer spoke, The pain is so dark. I've watched my family be destroyed. Her father, whom Brittany had recently reconnected with, described how he constantly plays the last day he could have seen his daughter alive over and over in his mind. She needed his help fixing something on her car, but he wasn't home, and he has to live with that regret forever. He said, that was my last chance to hug her. Brittany's stepmother, Christy, addressed Antoine directly. You were her friend. She loved you. She respected you, and she trusted you. And instead, you decided to wrap a belt around her throat and squeeze until you ended her life. All this, again, according to CKOM.com. Judge Marilyn Gray accepted the joint submission from the Crown and Defense and sentenced Antoine to the agreed-upon terms. Seven years. Cheyenne Rose Antoine was sentenced to seven years in prison for the murder of Brittany Jane Gargle. Antoine will be 28 years old when she will be released from prison. According to the Star Phoenix, Judge Gray addressed Antoine, stating, Honor your friend by becoming a positive member of the community. You owe it to her. Brittany Jane Gargle was just 18 years old when her life was taken from her at the hands of her supposed best friend. She will forever be remembered as the vibrant, warm-hearted, independent, strong-willed, adventurous young woman she was. Brittany loved going snowboarding, camping, and boating, and doing all the outdoor activities with her family. She also enjoyed shopping at the mall and all things fashion-related. She loved her friends. Brittany Jane Gargle was deeply loved and her absence has forever changed the lives of all those who knew and loved her. For more information about Brittany's case, check out my Facebook, At Least of These, or my Instagram at least underscore of these. New episodes drop every Thursday, so make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.